And welcome to episode 54 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again on today's episode. We're going to tell you what is going wrong with the Dallas Cowboys and if the Cowboys should cut bait with Jason Garrett. Is it time to fire Jason Garrett? And then we're giving you our week six takeaways. And then we're talking all about last night's thrilling game two of the ALCS between the Yankees and the Astros. Did the Yankees blow an opportunity to really finish off the Astros last night? And who has the advantage moving forward? But don't forget to subscribe, rate, review to the pod wherever you get your podcast these days. And then head to YouTube and watch all the clips on YouTube and give me all of your takes on all today's topics right down below in the comment section. But we've got lots to get into, so let's get right into it. And, of course, we have to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Coming out of two straight losses, they go and play the winless Jets, and this was the get-right game for Dallas, right? This was the game where they get back, where Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, that defense starts clicking on all cylinders again, right? Wrong. The New York Jets came in at home, and they beat the Dallas Cowboys 24-22. And this Jets team, this Jets team that was averaging 4.2 points per game, this Jets team that was outscored 101-39, to they beat this Dallas Cowboys team. Give Sam Darnold tons of credit. He misses three weeks. He's out with mono. Well, he had that Jets crowd in stereo yesterday. They lost their minds after he hit Robbie Anderson for a 92-yard touchdown. to belt go deep anderson's out there this is gonna go the distance 92 yards darnold to anderson so give broadway sam lots of credit he played well yesterday but this dallas cowboy team did they get off the team plane Were they still in Dallas? Did they get off the team bus? Were they still in the locker room? They did not show up at all. But despite that, they still had a chance to tie it late with a two-point conversion attempt late in the game. You're going to stack the box right here, and you're going to make them throw the ball outside. You're going to have to throw the ball outside. The numbers are so There he goes. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure. On Prescott, it was Adams who came blitzing in. Williams is going to come after you with everybody. Someone's coming free. And that's why this call... Jamal Adams, he's had some game. It's not a penalty inside the red zone. You're free. And yes, the Cowboys yesterday, they're playing without their starting tackles, Collins and Smith, and Cobb was out. But they got out-coached. They got out-schemed. They had no playmakers on offense that were getting separation. And Amari Cooper goes down. But Adam Gase, the Stairmaster himself, you know this guy, he's got those crazy eyes, and he was crazy good yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys, coaching circles around Jason Garrett. You know Jason Garrett, he's the clapper. Doesn't matter what it is. Interception, he's clapping. Fumble, he's clapping. Game-winning touchdown, he's clapping. If you want to give Cowboy fans something to clap about, you fire Jason Garrett. Garrett. Jason Garrett, he's a dead man walking in Dallas. What must be done eventually should be done immediately. And here's Jason Garrett after the loss. I agree with it. From an intensity standpoint, they just didn't look as maybe into it as your team's normally do. Yeah, I don't know if I would characterize it like that. We certainly didn't execute and play to the level that we needed to. 
And uh, like I said, we didn't convert an early third down. They got a long drive, and at different points, they were making the plays, and we weren't making the plays. And, and, and oftentimes, execution and emotion work hand in hand. You know, when you're having success, there's a lot to be fired up about. And, and when you're on the other side of it, you just got to keep fighting through it to make some plays. Ultimately, at the end of the first half, we were able to, you know, piece together a little bit of a drive to kick the long field goal. And I thought it was better in the second half. The execution uh, ultimately picked up in all three phases of our team, and we gave ourselves a chance. Now, Jason Garrett's been the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys since 2011. He's got a career record of 80 and 62. He's two and three in the playoffs. And what he should have said there was, look, we were playing the Jets. They're really sorry. I thought we'd blow them out. I failed to prepare my team because that's how it looked yesterday. Dak Prescott didn't have the worst game. 28 for 40, 277 yards, but no touchdowns. QB rating yesterday of 89.3. Ezekiel Elliott yesterday, not the worst game. 28 carries, 105 yards, a 3.8 average, one touchdown, and then he had five catches for 47 yards, but the Cowboys didn't get it done, and Jerry Jones didn't seem too thrilled about it after the game. I was a lot happier with what he had done in the first three games okay. than what's happened the last three games, but the big thing I want to say, it's not just him. And then T.O. Terrell Owens, he chimed in on Twitter. He says, hey, real Jerry Jones, still think Jason Garrett is the answer? For a decade, a decade now, it's the same old song and dance. I knew they were going to Jason Witten on third down prior to TD and knew they were going to him on the two-point conversion. Not too late to bring me back. And then Tony Romo, he was calling plays like he was in the headset of Dak Prescott. And to me, it's the predictability of this Dallas Cowboys offense. Kellen Moore, he had a solid first three weeks when they went 3-0, but his last three weeks, not very dynamic offensively. Every time they run on first down, you can hear a Dallas Cowboy fan shattering their television at home. Up until they were down 14-3 with only 3.34 left in the half, they had seven runs against two passes on first down. Of those first down runs, a total of 37 yards. So they weren't getting it done on the ground. And then the playmakers, Amari Cooper, he gets injured, spends a majority of the game on the bench. But guys weren't getting open from Gallup to Austin to Cedric Wilson, Jason Witten. Not a lot of dynamic playmakers out there for Dak Prescott and this offense. And defensively, they weren't getting it done either. Robert Quinn was the only Cowboy applying pressure last night. And as a group, they were not happy with their performance after the game. Playing very good football right now. So, I mean, just every week, uh, it's got to get back to work tomorrow, get in the film room, you know, see what went wrong, uh, see what went well. And, Learn on it and, you know, get better. You go to work tired sometimes. You make excuses? No. All right, then. So ain't no reason for us to make excuses. We all grown men in this locker room. We understand what we signed up for when we um, chose to play this game. Last week we beat ourselves. The week before we beat ourselves. This week we beat ourselves. Now it's time to buckle down and go to work. Thank you. So this Cowboy locker room does not look like it's in a good place. Yesterday, the frustration, you could feel it boiling over in that Cowboy locker room. They did win the sack battle. Dak Prescott only went down once, but they hit him eight times. But that defense, this defense has had a bad few weeks. Yesterday, they got torched by the Jets. A week ago, by the Green Bay Packers. Leighton Vanderash doesn't look himself. This Cowboys team needs to do some soul searching right now if they want to become contenders again in the NFC.
right, week six NFL takeaways. We're starting with Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So you got to feel good for Kirk Cousins, who gets back at his former teammate, Zach Brown, who earlier in the week said that Cousins was the weakest part of that Vikings offense. And how did Cousins respond? He went off. He went 22 of 29, 333 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, and a QBR of 93.9. So, you know, Cousins' message to Zach Brown was something like, You like that? You like that? Oh, look, Cousins isn't some Hall of Fame quarterback, but hey, he's more than a game manager. Let the guy throw, and he can make you plays. And he's found that connection with Stephon Diggs once again. Diggs, three touchdowns yesterday, and the Vikings' offense has found something. And what a terrible week for Atlanta sports fan. First, the Braves, they give up 10 runs to the Cardinals in the first inning of the NLDS Game 5. Then, number three, Georgia, they lose to unranked South Carolina on Saturday. And then, to add insult to injury, yesterday, the Falcons. Matt Ryan plays great. 30 for 36, 356 yards, four touchdowns, no pigs, but kicker Matt Bryant. He had missed three extra points in his 11-year career, and he missed an extra point yesterday. They lose to the Cardinals. Rough week for Atlanta fans. And then, like I told you last week, the 49ers are for real. They go down to L.A., they pass a major test, and they beat the NFC West defending champions, the Rams, in their house, and the Niners turned the Coliseum into their house. There were Niner fans everywhere. Niner Nation was representing big time, and that defensive line is ferocious for San Francisco with Ford, Armstead, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa. They just outmatched that Rams O-line, and they win 20-7. Now, if this Niner team, if they can get their offense humming, Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday, 24 for 33, no touchdowns, a pick, ran for a team total of 99 yards. If this offense can get close to matching the productivity of this defense, the Niners may be the best team in the NFC, along with my Super Bowl pick, the Green Bay Packers. And next, the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, they continue to impress. They went up to Kansas City. They beat the Chiefs 31-24. to And Deshaun Watson, another nice game. 30 for 42, 280 yards, one touchdown, did throw two picks, but then he also got two touchdowns on the ground, rushed for 42 yards on 10 carries. Now the question is, did he surpass... Patrick Mahomes for the MVP, and the answer is no. Patrick Mahomes is still a better player, more of an impact player. He was injured. He clearly doesn't look like he's 100%, and then both of the guys are trailing Russell Wilson, who's my MVP. If you look at Russell Wilson yesterday, 23 for 33, 295 yards, two touchdowns, and he still hasn't thrown an interception this year. His total QBR is 79.5. That's ahead of Mahomes at 76.2, and ahead of Watson 75.9 I still have Russell Wilson they came back on the road in a game where they trailed 20 to 6 in the first half and 28 to 25 in the last 10 minutes to me this is Russell Wilson's year he's the number one quarterback in the league right now and then how about Lamar Jackson? Yesterday, 152 rushing yards for the former Heisman Trophy winner out of Louisville. I remember when he was in college, everyone, including myself, was saying he's not going to be able to be a quarterback at the next level. He should play receiver. Well, I want to say right here, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I was wrong, and a lot of pundits around the world were wrong too. Your son is a stud. Your son is an elite quarterback in this league right now, and he's just below Mahomes. 
Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in that MVP conversation. Also threw for 236 yards, was 21 for 33. An exciting watch. Most exciting guy since Michael Vick, in my opinion. And then there's Christian McCaffrey. He shoulders the load for that Panther team. They've now gone 4-2 and two since Cam Newton went out. Kyle Allen is balling. And Christian McCaffrey, he is the best running back in the NFL right now. He leads the league in rushing. Also third in receiving yards. 305 receiving yards for Christian McCaffrey. He's getting it done. He gained a lot of muscle in the offseason. Another guy I really didn't expect to be this good this early in his career, but he is getting it done for the Panthers. And then next, it's time to show love to the New Orleans Saints. By the way, did you see yesterday the Pope tweeted out something where he said, hashtag Saints, and the Saints own that hashtag. So the whole world saw that Saints logo. He didn't even delete it. That was trending all around the world. And to me, the Saints defense makes them a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The Saints have allowed 67 points over four games since Drew Brees went down and have held their last three opponents to less than 260 yards of total offense. So the Saints defense is getting it done in the absence of Drew Brees and look no further than Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore, the Ohio State product, is balling right now. To me, he's emerged as not only just an elite corner, but someone who's going to give Stephon Gilmore and Khalil Mack a run for their money when it comes to the Defensive Player of the Year award. The Saints are right on top. If Drew Brees can come back and he can get healthy, this Saints team is quietly sneaking into that Super Bowl mix. I definitely see the Saints as a legit contender right now. Battle of two AL heavyweights continued last night in the ALCS. The Yankees-Astros game two. The Astros dropped game one to the Bronx Bombers, so they had to get game two at home, and it was all about Carlos Correa. He had a night last night, getting the Astros on the board first in the bottom of the second. Correa, one RBI this postseason, 2-0. And that's hit sharply past the dive of Urshela and down the left field line. Bregman scores, tearing for third base and stopping there, Alvarez. An RBI double for Correa. one nothing Astros. Still only one. And then top of the fourth inning, Aaron Judge, he gets a two-run blast off Justin Verlander. Bring in Aaron Judge. Here's the 0-1. Swung on and hit in the air to right center and deep. Back goes Maristic, and the ball is gone over the right center field wall in the deepest part of right center. It's a Judgean blast. A two-run mammoth home run by Judge. All rise. Here comes the Judge. A two-run home run to give the Yankees a 2-1 lead. And baby, that is a... And Aaron Judge has played well this postseason. He's batting 333, OPSing 978. But last night, he gets off the schneid on the home run department, getting his first home run of the postseason. And we told you, Justin Verlander, if you want to get runs on him, you do it via the long ball. And Aaron Judge took advantage. But then George Springer, he answered with a home run of his own in the bottom of the fifth. Springer the batter. Pitch on the way. And Springer hits it well and hits it deep to left center field, and you can kiss that goodbye. Off the community leader signs, and we're tied at two. George Springer's 12th career postseason home run. Well, a dinger it is for George Springer. Soon as he hit it, he knew it. Fist pump right toward the bench, and big game George.
comes through. And so with the teams knotted up at two, it really became a bullpen game at that point. You had the Astros burning Osuna early. You had the Yankees coming out with Araldis Chapman and Britton. But ultimately, it was J.A. Happ versus Carlos Correa. An advantage, Carlos Correa. It was Correa's night, and he goes deep, sending the Astros to New York with a 1-1 series split in the bottom of the 11th inning. First pitch. And Correa lines it deep to right field. Judge is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros even the series at a game apiece on the walk-off home run by Carlos Correa in the bottom of the 11th. So last night, Carlos Correa didn't just save the game for the Astros. He saved the Houston Astros season because sixth inning, he makes a game-saving throw to get LeMahieu at the plate, saves a run, gets the first RBI, and gets that walk-off hit. Oh, and by the way, it came two years to the day when he hit that walk-off rope against the Yankees in 2017. Carlos Correa, number one pick out of Puerto Rico in 2012, says he's starting to get back to his elite ways, and here's Carlos Correa right after the game. Tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I told you last night I felt like I was getting back uh, on track. Um, and today when I hit in the cages, I felt great. So I knew something good was going to happen today. This win mean, what does this win mean considering what the circumstances were going back to Yankee Stadium? It was a must-win uh, situation for us. Uh, we came to the ballpark today and when we met, we said, hey, we got to win this game. No matter how we do it, we got to win this game. It's very important. We had JB on the mound, but I think the MVPs of this game is the bullpen, man. The bullpen was nasty. They kept us in the game, gave us a chance to win the game. That was huge. And yes, the Yankees can feel good about themselves. They got the series split. That's what they were after. But if you remember, Mattress Mac, the Houston mattress dealer, he bet $5 million on this Astros team, and he can sleep soundly knowing that they've got Garrett Cole going for the Astros in Game 3. And last night was a really a failed test for the Yankees. Because bottom line, the Yankees have to find a way to beat Verlander and Garrett Cole. Because if you know how the math lines up, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander are going to go four games in this series, and they have to beat him once. Verlander gave up that home run to Aaron Judge last night, but he gave him a strong six and two-thirds innings, and that's all they needed with the heroics of Carlos Correa. So the Yankees, nice job getting the split, but I'd be very worried still. You know this Astros lineup with Bregman, with Altuve, with Springer. You know they're going to come alive at some point, and they have the best pitcher in the series. When you have the best pitcher in the series, like they do in Garrett Cole, you definitely, to me, still have the advantage. This Astros team, historically great across the board in every category you could ever look at, but it's going to be tough. It's great baseball. It's really a classic series in the making. I still have the Yankees in seven. But that is going to do it for episode 54 of the Get More Sports Podcast. As always, my name is Doug McCain. You can find me at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the pod wherever you get your podcasts these days. And definitely head over to YouTube and give me all your takes on all of today's topics right down below in the comment section. But I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I'm out.